1: Welcome to England Cricket on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. I'm Daniel Norcross, broadcaster, writer, wibbler, um, co-host of the Zero Ducks Given podcast with Stephen Finn and Toby Tarrant, among other things. I see your Are, we, you're are we convinced
0: that's convinced that's real? I've I've looked for it, no sign.
1: It's very much real. I I did a lengthy treatise on the awkwardness of buying underwear in Manchester the other day. It's it's always at the cutting edge of important things cricket-related. I am with, as I always am, my cheeky elfin chum, the puff pastry <laughs> hangman, the, the bearded wonder, Press Association's Chief Cricket writer, Rory Dollard. It's lovely to have you on the programme. And let me just tell everybody that in a strange twist of fate, we are both at Lord's today for the uh, hundred final. And we're both actually sat in the same room. But we can't actually be on the same recording at the same time for reasons that we won't bore you with. But honestly, Rory's just there. nor do we
0: understand, frankly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Now, let me just be quite clear. Uh, There there are many, many teams that are represented on 99.94. England is just one of them. You can find us and all the others in your favourite podcast apps on YouTube or in the 99.94 app. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, we are talking about the massive news that broke... Yesterday morning, about half an hour after the announcement of the England World T20 squad, that Johnny Bairstow has injured himself, a lower leg injury that we believe is a fracture. It hasn't yet to be confirmed. The talk is that he's going to be out for the rest of the year. He's going to miss the Pakistan test. He's going to miss the third test match uh, between England and South Africa. He's going to miss the T20 World Cup. He's going to miss the, T20, T20, the T20s in Pakistan. There's a lot of T20s he's missing. He's missing a lot of cricket. We're going to talk about that, the implications for that, which obviously feed in to the World T20 squad, England's World T20 squad, that is. And finally, one implication we do know is that Harry Brook is finally going to get his chance. He's going to get a chance to play cricket for England in a test match. It'll be at the Oval. It was a traditional place for people to make their test debuts for many, many years. Someone would come in, play one test match, uh, might fly to Australia, and that would be the end of their career. Let's hope that is not the case with Harry Brook. I'm sure it won't be. Rory, let's start with Johnny Bairstow. Ouch. That's a bad injury. Golf should be banned. Uh, all golf courses should be turned over to social housing. Uh, this has basically just proven it, hasn't it? <laughs>
0: well, yeah, it's it's Johnny Bairstow. It's Johnny Bairstblow for England. Um, bad stuff, yeah. It's, you know, if you could have picked a player... In 2022, who you would really like to wrap up in cotton wool after Ben Stokes, it's probably Johnny Bairstow. He's the sort of MVP of the test team. He's, he was about four hours on from being given a new job in the T20 setup. He was going to open the batting. England's selection meeting had actually sort of lived around the idea that they were going to drop Jason Roy after this extended run of bad form. And the thing that allowed them to make that decision... Was Johnny Bairstow being on hand with a ton of IPL experience, uh, been able to open the batting as a as a world class option? So England have multiple things to reconsider and 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 look into now. But I think the sensible thing to do first is to say how disappointing that is for for Johnny Bairstow because he's been revitalised this summer. He looks a different fella. He feels just at ease. He was having that sort of leadership role in the Test team, which. I don't think we've ever seen him overtly have before. He felt he felt suddenly very in a circle and he was batting like a dream. Six centuries this year, um, a thousand test runs, the only person in, in the world to hit a thousand test runs this year. And he had the possibility of four more test matches on some decent batting tracks in all likelihood. And he'll be, as much as cursing the injury, he'll be cursing the lost runs because if we know anything about cricket is when they hit a hot streak, they want to ride it all the way. So yeah, he's, um, I don't know, he he gave up football, Johnny Bairstow, didn't he? After he injured himself once. So I suspect he'll knock golf on the head for a while after this.
1: Well, Rory Burns, didn't he? Famously uh, got a bad injury playing football. Uh, We're never allowed to criticise golf. Jimmy Anderson's in a room about uh, three doors down from us now. And he's already grumpily said to me, don't you start on golf? I didn't like what you were saying yesterday on air because I was slagging off golf. They all like to play golf. The entitlement that cricketers have with golf, they're they're happy to take over huge swathes of this once green and pleasant land so they can knock balls about and make deals for pork bellies and concentrated orange juice. To me, there's just one gigantic exercise in in business, uh, golf. But apparently, in the case of Jimmy Anderson, it has been quite beneficial in helping him walk. So I've heard walking. Walking properly and running properly and, and all those sorts of things. So I'm not allowed to sag off golf. They will not stop playing golf. It was a freak injury. And freak injuries happen. Um, we've had so many. Quinton de Kock, did he not drop a jar of something on his – I don't know. That was his dog, wasn't he? He was out walking his dog. He tripped over his dog and um, and then didn't tell the team management because he did it the day before a game and thought he'd be okay but wasn't. We've had Zach Crawley slipping over on a wet changing room floor. Um Ben Folkes had a weird injury, didn't he, in the change room with a hamstring injury? Uh, Joffrey Archer cut his hand on his own fish tank. Fish ball, yeah. Yeah, so we, t- we can't be banning these things, but. We can't ban fish, can we? I don't think we should ban fish. No, no, don't, no, do not ban fish. I think they're a crucial part of the ecosystem. But it, it couldn't really have happened to a worse player at a worse time for England, could it? Because. Actually, this has been a fantastic and explosive summer for the England men's test team. But if you run down and look at the the numbers that have been compiled here, it's Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow. Bairstow are right at the top of the tree. Now, the last game, yes, Ben Stokes and Ben Folk scored runs, which would be welcome. But Bairstow's become an integral part of that side from nowhere. I mean, let's remember that it's about a year ago, the 100 finalists today at Lord's. He played the first couple of games of the 100 for Welsh Fire, the only games that the Welsh Fire men's team have ever won, featured Johnny Bairstow at the beginning of last 100 season, since which time he's never played for them. He came back into the England side middle of August 2021 and hasn't really looked back since. And he has been such a key component of that with all the cricket that's coming up. Look, we're going to discuss the makeup of the T20 side and what it means for Harry Brooks shortly, but... Just sum up how big a blow that is because we know it's a blow for Basto, but how big a blow is that for Stokes?
0: Well, yeah, it's it's huge because he doesn't he doesn't have anyone who can plug in and do that, and that's because almost nobody has ever been able to play the way Johnny Basto has has hit this form. So it it is bad, and actually, it's interesting you mentioned about the Welsh fire there because it's it is easy when we see how he's played this summer to to overlook how close it felt like he was probably being edged out of red ball cricket completely. When, when COVID struck and we had to split the squads, he was very, very firmly in the white ball camp and went, you know, a calendar year without playing test cricket, I think. And so, so much so that Gary Kirsten said when he got called back into the test squad, apparently Johnny still a test player again. Like it was some idea that he'd never contemplated. So the, this sort of, rebirth of, of of Johnny Bairstow this summer as a, as a test cricketer was not baked in the equation. And he has felt like someone riding the crest of a wave. Like maybe he wondered if, if this was in his script or not. And I think the other side of that coin is if he does miss three, four, five months of cricket, you know, form is such a precious and, and hard to understand commodity for international sportsmen and athletes that he'll have a little bit of trepidation is like is that you know can i get back on that trail is that a little bit of is that little bit of gold still there so it would be sad if it would be sad if that last few months or this 6 months of, of 2022 was was the peak of that ride and and he'll be desperate to get back in but england will miss him absolutely yeah
1: that's marvelous catastrophizing from you rory and i uh, and i get exactly where you're coming from but um What a doleful note to end the first part of the programme on. Uh, Love cricket? Want to hear more? Well, head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all our podcasts and also our commentary. We're the home of Cricket Audio Online, while we are adding new shows and covering series. The best way to follow us is via our app or on social media at 99.94 DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. So the second part... Um, let's take a look at that t twenty squad because it's come out, and there's now a gap in the market, but it's a it's a squad that is filled with injured players or players coming back from injury chris wokes mark wood Timal mills travelling reserve um r- run your eye over that, Rory, because I don't think I've ever seen a squad put out that is so precarious
0: <laughs> yeah living Livingston is injured, he's not going to Pakistan. Butler is injured he's going to Pakistan but as kind of a vibes guy and he's hoping to get on the park at the back end of that tour. He certainly he's passed over the captaincy to Moeen Ali for the short term. So there's quite a lot of question marks. And uh, and you know Rob Key described it as a bit of a fingers crossed situation which you know is is not ideal. It, it almost is a throwback to the Sven-Göran Eriksson era of English football where He just picked his favourite players, whether they had casts on their legs or or whatever. But I suppose England were in a bit of a difficult situation because the the lead-in to the World Cup includes seven warm-up games that are theoretically somewhere where they could refine their plans, all of which happen after the deadline for the squad. So anything they learn from those seven games is not entirely useful to them. So I can see they were in a difficult slot Uh, They do have now to to pick one extra player for the squad because they've got opening options. They've got Phil Salt, would appear to be the like-for-like to step in at the top of the order. And they have a a batting slot. Now, to my mind, that means um, (laughs) Alex Hales inevitably comes into the conversation, doesn't strike me as likely to happen. Now, Rob Key has sounded a more conciliatory note than maybe his predecessors in in that job. Certainly, Owen Morgan's out the picture and and Hales was never getting picked under Owen Morgan. But it just doesn't seem like England are going to go there. If I had my money, I'd say the fact that Will Jacks is in the Pakistan squad means that's the horse they've, they've put their money on. They think that Will Jacks is the next man in and it would be Surprising, I think, for them to to go away from Will Jacks when they've almost lined him up on their depth chart.
1: Yeah, I think that's sound thinking, isn't it? Because look, if 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 Hales came in now and Jacks didn't, then you'd be wondering what's the cab off the rank situation. What's the hierarchy here? Because Jacks isn't in the World T Twenty squad, uh, or he wasn't when the one with Berto in it was announced. But uh, you just feel that that's the most obvious next move, I guess. Um, I'm slightly more concerned because I think, you know, there's, there's, I, think, I can't see how it couldn't be that logically, but I'm slightly more concerned about the bowling resources because, you know, Wokes and Wood, when did they last play cricket? Are we talking March? February? March,
0: competitively, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they've both had setbacks. You know, They are both behind their advertised return to cricket. So it hasn't been straightforward for either of them, uh, and and actually, it's not as though they really do lack um, fast bowling options. There are people sitting in the sitting in the wings waiting, and I do wonder if England are picking this squad with the idea that if one of them breaks down, they just they just switch them out again. It's 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 a kind of uh, fluid situation a World Cup squad, isn't it? It's not like a Again, it's not like a football World Cup squad where they pick so many players that there's always going to be somebody to step in. They only pick 15, and if someone gets injured, you swap them. So I think England have sort of backed on their quality, really, and the people they think are bankers uh, and, and are prepared to, to lose them a little bit closer at the time if the fitness isn't there.
1: Uh, Richard Gleeson is a weird one for me because having watched The 100, and we sort of thought that The 100 might be a showcase for bolters who might come into the England side, but actually watching The 100 this year, I've seen seven Uh, Men's 100 matches. The only real men that have put their hand up have been batters, Will Smead, um, Will Jacks, really. There hasn't been like a – but neither of them stand out like Liam Livingston did last year. On the bowling front – well, I suppose on the all-rounder front, you say Sam Curran, but he's already part of the setup. Um, There's been no real bolters except, for me, Luke Wood. Mm. Now, Luke Wood has shown real pace at a left arm angle. Um, He's not as consistent, perhaps, as he might be but they've opted, they've gone with Gleeson. Now, Luke Wood is is hovering around, isn't he? I believe he's part of the sort of the reserve unit for the Pakistan T20s. He's he's sort of mentioned in dispatches beyond dispatches. He is in that squad,
0: yeah. He will play in that series.
1: So you think he'll play?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think seven matches, I think all of them will play from that 19 man.
1: So is it not slightly strange that you've got the likes of Wood who will, you think, then play in Pakistan, but he's nowhere near the World Cup squad? And yet you've got people who are coming back from injury and there's very little chance to find out if they're fit, let alone match fit, yeah. before a World World T20 in October. It is. I,
0: I, I give the selectors always a minor free pass because of the schedule. They, they have to pick a World Cup squad and pick a squad for a seven-match series that happens before it and that cannot logistically feature in their thinking for the latter. It's all just – it's a funny old jigsaw and frankly – Pieces don't fit together very well. But yeah, they have got on their reserve list, they have got Tim R. Mills and Richard Gleeson, both of whom aren't, <laughs> aren't currently fit or 100% fit and aren't going to Pakistan. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to, to filter together for England. And, it, you know, we all stand to be corrected. But looking at it, it does look like there's a few hurdles and a few time bombs in this squad that might just go off at some point.
1: Um, and finally, on, on this... Pakistan series, uh, they've added extra games because England pulled out of a tour last year. So it was a scheduled tour plus the games that, that weren't played when England didn't tour last year. Seven matches in Pakistan. Uh, how ideal is that as preparation for a World T20 in Australia taking place in October? <laughs>
0: Not perfect. Uh, suboptimal uh, would be one word. Uh, equally, England, by having seven matches, probably... Just, just the sheer practice for, for. I mean, I was going to say it'd be good for Joss Butler. But he isn't going to be captaining, so it's yeah. There's, there's maybe it's one to survive. This is why I think everyone will play out of that nineteen because the last thing they'll want to do is lose another body along the way. And you know, when you've got Johnny Bairstow rule himself out for four or five months walking, then uh, that's where England's luck is at. So I think they'll be trying to manage themselves through as easy as possible. But playing's always better than, than not playing, I think, in the lead-up to a tournament. Maybe these these big series and, and long bilateral series don't need to happen two years out, but getting a good run of form into your batsman before a tournament is probably no bad thing.
1: Uh Well, what, one thing we do know is that Moeen Ali, as vice-captain, will captain in the uh, absence of Joss Butler, which is something, in the test team, the mystery of who is the vice-captain continues. We still don't know who that is. We discussed it last week. And um, We're still none the wiser. I
0: think it's probably Brodie now that we can see with some certainty now that we had it down to two candidates with Bearstone. He's not around, so it's got to be Stuart Broad now, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, except that when Stokes left the field briefly, it was rude who was moving the field around. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows what it really means to be vice-captain? Um, anyway, we're going to move on now. Uh, before we do, just a reminder that 99.94 is more than just this. Uh, ask Jared Kimber as Red Inca. That focuses on deep cricket topics from the global game. There's also Double Century. Uh, a look at the history of the game. There are other podcasts on various teams. Indian podcasts, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Caribbean podcasts as well. Wherever you are, wherever you are from, wherever your interest may lie, this is the place for you. Go over and listen to the West Indies on 99.94 for cricket's best Caribbean coverage and for India as well. England on 99.94 has the north and the south of the game covered. That's the north of Rory. The south of me, and that's of a good bit.
0: that's the good bit and the bad bit.
1: Yeah, Durham and <laughs> Surrey. Yes, yes. You decide for yourself which is which is better. Uh, south Africa on ninety nine point nine four is look at the radically changing nature of cricket and the rainbow nation. You can find them in at all your podcast apps on YouTube or via the ninety nine point nine four app. Now, before we leave you in peace for another few days and no more than another few days, we, we'll keep cropping up. Harry Brook. It's finally happened. There are those of us who have been aching to see more Harry Brooke. I've seen him live a few times. And of course, every time I've watched him, it's not been his day. I've watched him on the TV a few times. And most times I have watched him, it has been his day. Uh, mostly in white ball cricket, but he's a player with fine red ball credentials. Not the most stellar average, but he's a young man, Rory. He's going to get his chance at the Oval with no Bear Ben Duckett, interestingly added to the squad. And I think that is an interesting. Notion actually. It suggests a little bit of forgiveness for what happened, what is it now, five years ago, when he threw a glass of water over Jimmy Anderson. Um it it, it also suggests that uh, they believe his game has matured a bit. And they might also reflect on how taking a young man as he was in 2016, 17, and banging him into a test series in Bangladesh, getting him to open the batting against Mahidi Hassan and a ragging Turner was perhaps a little bit unfair. Uh, so, aside from the Ben Duckett issue, which suggests he is now in their thinking, Brook's going to play. A, how excited are you? How excited should England cricket watchers be? How excited should cricket watchers be generally? He's a prodigious talent.
0: He he has, yeah. His, his wider average isn't fantastic, like you say. He has had a couple of rougher runs of it early earlier in his career. But this summer, he's just never stopped, really. He, he starts scoring runs and he's really quite fortunate that you know Johnny Berto's bad luck is his good luck because we often see people establish themselves on the pecking order and they have to wait and wait and wait and by the time the the wheel turns to them they're over the they're over the curve on that and they're, they're on a downturn of form so he gets to walk into this test team make his debut when he feels a million dollars and that's priceless really for a, for a cricketer because to get the chance is one thing, but to get the chance when you are absolutely on the upswing, fantastic. So he's got every chance to come in and give a good account of himself. And from what we've seen this year, including against South Africa for the Lions, his best is good enough for Test cricket. Absolutely. He, he has a chance to, to make things a bit difficult in that middle order. Because we talked not so long ago about how three, four, five, six were, we're all locked up and there was really no way into this team. Well, now he's got a spot in the team and it's his
1: job to make someone else feel a bit hairy. Uh, I'll tell you what it will also do. Put a little bit of pressure on Ollie Pope because there will be a returning Bairstow at some point. So you would imagine Harry Brook is going to get four test matches here. The Oval Test match. And there's a general saying, isn't there, in England, which is completely unfair. But, you know, he's only scores runs at the Oval. Well, he's making his debut at the Oval. So it couldn't be better uh, in that respect. Um, it is a pitch that will actually give a bit to bowlers as well. It's a good sporting wicket as a general rule at the Oval, but it's a nice place to start your career. And then three test matches in Pakistan, unless something radically different happens, they will be good pitches for batting on. Um, people talk about, oh, you need spinners in Pakistan. You, you watch the series that they've played in the last couple of years, you see how it went against Australia. You know, th- that is a place where sides will score 500 and you've got a great chance to pile on runs. It means that to a degree, Oli Pope, who would have felt, a bit more comfortable in the England setup, now knows that he's going to be compared directly against his rival of a similar age, isn't he? Because Johnny Bester will walk. I say walk. It's an unfortunate thing to say about a man who's just broken his leg, but he is going to get back in the team when he's recovered, without a doubt. And someone is going to have to go. So, assuming there are no other injuries, it's sort of like there's four test matches of a kind of shootout between the two young guns.
0: And and actually, there's a huge prize to play for. In the not-too-distant future, once Pakistan's done, we have two games against New Zealand, which are a not-world-test not championship, and then we're into an ashes summer with an island test cobbled on the start. So the, the, the prize for a young guy who, up to two or three days ago, didn't know when his debut was coming, if it was coming, is enormous because he has the opportunity now to get his hands on and get his grips on an ashes summer and and what could be a really big summer for English cricket because that that urn is in the sights and they're desperate to get hold of it. Jofra Archer might be back. Jimmy Anderson and, and Stuart Broad might be looking to who knows go off into the sunset with a, with the Ashes in their hand. It's a really important stuff coming ahead next summer and to get your chance and get your little opportunity to make your make your case is is huge. So you know the 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 hunger for for all those players, be it Ollie Pope or. Harry, Brooke, even the openers, whoever they might be by then, it's it's pretty big. And, you know, I suppose I said it was unfair to ask Harry Brooke to open as a test debut. Maybe it's not unfair to ask him to go and open after four tests.
1: Do you know, I was just about to say, my prediction is going to be that it won't be Ollie Pope and Harry Brooke finding it out. It'll be that both of them are going to get runs in that sheltered middle order spot. The openers are going to continue to struggle as a they- as you do against new balls in international cricket. And England will start another Ashes series like they seem to do every time when they're at home with a different opening pairing. Last time, if you remember, it was Jason Roy who was opening the batting, which is one of the more bizarre and extraordinary things. Uh we feel I feel like we've come full circle here, Rory, talking about Jason Roy being out of the T twenty side, which no one would have predicted at the start of the year. And uh, now we're talking about how he was discarded from the test side three years ago. I think it's time we put down our microphones. We will return in a day or two from Rory Dollard and from myself, Daniel Norcross. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to England on 99.94. Please rate, review, and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps, and you can follow us personally on Twitter at Norcross Cricket and at the rvd which is rory's twitter and instagram that's t-h-e-r-v-d of course rory was going to be difficult we'll put links up for everything we do there remember if you love cricket then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket
2: running should be simple just put on your shoes and go